Please visit anywhenanywhere.com for more information about this program. Our conversation with Lob Instagram. Wanting to be cool. A musician and poet. And the organizer behind the NorCal Noise Fest. Come on, let's bring the noise. I'm going to come right out of the gate and say that I am recovering from a cold this week. And all of the wonderful work that I wanted to put into the show this weekend was slept away on the couch or wherever I passed out because uh, I was not feeling well. However, that isn't really going to hurt you guys much because this week you are getting a rerun show, uh, sort of. Uh, It's a conversation with Lob Instagon uh, from last year uh, from uh, a different program. And uh, when we ran this call before, it was uh, actually mixed with a lot of sound effects in the back and it was spread out over two hours and on and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, it's not the most ideal way to hear these kinds of calls, you know. Um, they're fun. They're they're cool. They have their own kind of ambience to them. I'll include a link so you can kind of get a sense of what we did. Uh, but this is just our chat, pure and simple, a straight call with Lob uh, about his career, about the band, about NorCal Noise Fest, about uh, his poetry. Uh, we kind of touch on everything. Uh, And uh, the good part about that conversation is that it's pretty good and it's pretty comprehensive and I don't really need to set it up very much. (laughs) Um, And so I can just kind of sit back with my cold and play this for you and hope that you guys forgive me for being sick again. Um, But, you know, uh, that is kind of where we're at right now. I've got to do a few reruns uh, for this month uh, as I record some new conversations and kind of prep the show for the next batch of things. Um, This particular show has never aired these conversations before, and uh, I'm doing something different with them, so at least they're a form that has never aired anywhere before as well. Um, oh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you're probably just hearing me go, excuse, excuse, excuse. No, no, no. These are great conversations, great chats. Lob is a really cool gent, and uh, I enjoy the stuff that he does. And so I hope that this call puts it in a light that uh, makes you curious, if nothing else. Uh, check the show notes. There's going to be links and all that good stuff, but we know what you came for. It's my conversation with Lob Instagon here on WTBC Radio in beautiful Anywhere, Anywhen. And now I'm going to drink another cup of hot tea. WTBC Radio in beautiful Anywhere, Anywhen. This conversation was conducted by phone on October 30th, 2017. I feel like the most appropriate thing that we should talk about first is that there is a new Instagon album or new-ish, I should say. There, it, it is a new, it is a new-ish album. Well, it, it, I actually released it last year in around this time, right around the first week of December, mm. uh, as an online album, and uh, and it's a really good album, and I really wanted to see it make it off of online and actually into a tangible product. Right. And, I spoke with uh, my buddy Steve Davis from Love Earth Music, and uh, he was uh, open to the idea, and it took a little while for it to happen because he lives in Boston now, and it's not uh, his life is a little slower than it was when he was on the West Coast. Mm. So, but things are still coming out from Love Earth Music, and so we were really happy that just recently we had the release of the Black Cactus album, which is a a collection of songs that were recorded like during the 2014, 2015 type of uh, 
era of what we what I was doing a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the CD version also includes a really long noise piece at the end. Hmm. Uh, it's a, a mixer set, something I've done at a noise performance. Uh, so there's like the CD has two extra tracks. It has a, a one extra live track of the of the band stuff, and then another and then a long noise piece that are not available on the online version. See, another reason to actually get the thing rather than right. just go yeah. online. <laughs> Casual CD has things you can't get online. Yeah. At least, at least until somebody uploads them. You know how that happens. Yeah, sure, sure. Th- yeah. This, <laughs> this seems to be a thread that's going through a lot of music right now, though, is that we went through this age for like almost the last 10 years where everybody was really excited about the internet and about digital and, you know, like, let's get the music out to the people. And this is this new media. Uh, and now I see a lot of push for that stuff to kind of, like, escape out into the real world, so to speak. By Well, well it's because there's no, there's no real funding happening from, uh, you know, in the online community. It's not like, mm. it's not like, you know, I mean, you got to remember that, you know, when they say the music industry, it's because it was an industry. It used to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not an industry anymore. Now it's like, you know, it's really it's really sad, but like people who like spend their lives getting degrees in music and learn to play and go to like places like Juilliard and and Brooks and, you know, places where they are Mills College and places like that or, or, you know, it's like those places, they'll never pay their tuition back playing live music. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And they'll never... And, and recorded music has no tangible value any longer except to be sold through ways of as background music mm-hmm. uh, being licensed to commercials and, and films because like recorded music is, is it's three generations in of people who think it's free <laughs> right yeah there is this interesting factor that we're like i'll go to see a show where the you know there'll be these players who have performed with people that are just like incredible like all over the world and they're playing at this like divey place where they can't even make 20 bucks for gas that night you know that's the way it is man musicians like like now like you play like it's it's like really like you, you it's more about it's more about recognition it's not about, it's not about, it's all about, it's all about hits and, and, and likes and your recognition numbers. Right. You know, if you, have high, if you have high recognition numbers, those numbers could be sold things. And, and as long as you have high recognition numbers, it, it, you know, if you stop working the machine and trying to stay, you know, if you're just like want to play music and not, don't care, you're going to just be able to play music. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting too when you change the stakes for what you are trying to accomplish. You know, like, right? Like, yeah, like, it's like you know, like that, that's what it is. Some people, music is a calling, and it just reaches out to them, and it happens. And most people are blessed, you know. Yeah. And some people, some people spend their lives learning to do it, and they feel that they should be compensated for all the time and effort that they put into it. Mm. And you know, it really just some people have different ways of approaching it and that's what makes it so unique and amazing actually as a as a as a as a forum of thought oh yeah an expression i think that sound sound art music all of those things have their own relevance in enlightenment it's really pretty different absolutely well you know this is a a a perfect segue here because i'm always curious like you know, a lot of people like to talk about the beginnings of bands and like, you know, uh, what their influences are. But I'm always more curious of like the moment when music went from being kind of a background texture in your life to something where you turned your head and now you appreciated it in a completely different way. Do, do you remember those first experiences of what really well, turned yeah, you on? I, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's like when you're when you're when you get in on a when you get in a sink you know like i don't know like i i'm really more of a player that plays with other musicians i really like to collaborate and do things live in the moment mm-hmm. that's what i'm about live and in the moment once it happens it's gone and it's gone yeah yeah <laughs> like i i think that collaborate and i that's because my fondest times still happen when i collaborate with new people it's still like i get them to reoccur and happen because it's fresh and 
different and raw. Right. And they uh, know that it's not going to be this like, oh, we're rehearsing that, that track again. Make right, sure make exactly. sure to come in. I, at the. <laughs> it, it's pretty fun and different. And so like from my, you know, like I've had, like when I first started doing Instagon, it was very different than what it is now. Uh, hmm. it, it, it was probably, I think that what it used to be, um, the, the experience that you saw at NorCal Noise Fest. Oh yeah. That, that was probably a really good representation of the closest thing to what it used to be in the, in the nineties. Oh, okay. Then, then that, that's happened live in 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause you guys definitely do more of like almost a jazz improv kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like Instagram on a regular basis is more of a, uh, uh, a, a live jazz improvisational band. Uh, it, it, it's it's a it's it's a jazz jam hybrid. You know, it's 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 kind of a a, a very you know it's it's live fusion. Yeah, but there is certainly a little bit of a punk rock aesthetic uh, at the sure. core. Sure. You know, like you can yeah, hear I mean, a little. I'm a sloppy, I'm a sloppy self-taught bass player. <laughs> well, you can I, hear a little I, bit of that Naked City in there too, of like the, you know, we're grabbing for equal parts, Miles Davis and uh, yeah. Black Flag, and it's so you know, like it's really awesome that like like those are really two great names that you bring up because I've had people numerous times, like actually more than you know more than three, <laughs> came up and would have said to me come up and said to me, like, hey, dude, you're like miles with a face. And, really <laughs> and, really, and it's really fun when they say that. That's and, awesome. And when I used to live in Long Beach, I lived around the corner from Greg again. Mm. And Greg and I got involved when I moved here to Sacramento. He and I started actually hanging out when he used to come through town because he knew I was here. And, like, we started playing when probably 05 he came through here. Oh, and okay. And... And, uh, man, he loves to play with Instagon. I love to play with Greg Ginn. He's so much fun to play with. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of the beauty of the project too, is that like you can reach out to almost anyone and say I, like, Hey, you fit into this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Almost anyone. It's like sometimes there are bass players that really want to do it. And I'm like, I don't think it'll work with what you do, mm. but I'll try it. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm not afraid to try it. I've had, I've had shows with four bass players before. It's really fun. Oh, not, yeah. Yeah. I like that of like a the, the um specific. It was, a, it, was, it was a bass quartet. There were two electric ones and two stand-ups. Yeah, because like the insp- instrumentation also becomes a palette that you can paint with too, in terms of Correct. who who you pick that plays what kind of thing. Yeah, like I mean, I'm I don't really get I'm not really afraid of any genre because I can I can pretty much find musicians that understand that genre and together we can create a live happening that fits what needs to happen. And so like I've played, you know, I've played fair, you know, like, like, you know, like almost like county fair type situations where I'm playing Mm. surf, where I'm jamming surf music and some jazz and, you know, having a good time with it and people are still loving it and having a good time. That's awesome. Because the people, because the guys on stage are like really enjoying themselves, and 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 it shows that we're enjoying ourselves. It's really fun. Yeah. Well, you know, that was certainly an element that came through uh, with my uh, NorCal Noise Fest experience, where not just with Instagon, but with almost every act that I saw, there was like this kind of joy of like, can you can you believe I get to do this? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the scene. You know, like a lot of noise people don't get to play shows very often there's not a lot of noise shows I, I don't know what it's like where you are but i know where it's like here and finding venues that let you do noise that aren't someone's house is right really not and, and even that can get troublesome but uh you, you know it's like venues don't really let you do noise shows and we're lucky in the fact that you know we've been doing this here for 21 22 years now <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it's been going on so long that it's such a staple in the community that venues will open up to us and let us do it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, like 
the venue that we do on Friday night at Luna's Cafe, I mean, it's tiny for what we do. And like, sure. People are like, why would you do it here? And it's because Art has been letting us do it for 15 years there. Yeah. And, and you know, we we love Art, and he lets it happen. He says it's one of his better and best nights of the year. You know, <laughs> he serves a lot of food and a lot of drinks, and he has a great busy night. He loves it. Well, and those kind of relationships are, you know, invaluable when it comes to not just noise, but art in general, you know? Right. Like... Right. You know, the communities uh, are, have a hard enough time getting a foothold when it comes to anything that's a little off the beaten path. <laughs> sure, when you're doing it, when you're doing outsider sound art and you're doing it loud, like people are like, "What is wrong with you?" And mm-hmm. it's like, it's like you know, the the face that people used to get when they were into punk rock thirty years ago. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it, it has a little bit of that flavor for absolutely because, like, you know, the shows that we put on up here, again. It's probably a similar thing where it's like the the attendance is small. It's these smaller venues. They only really want to do it maybe once a month at the most. And right. even then they're kind of like, well, can we put someone on the bill that's a draw? You know? <laughs> right, right, right. right. And, it's, and it's hard to like, and it's hard to like get them to, you know, I mean, like that's the other thing is with NorCal Noise Fest, because it's been going on for so long, it has a reputation that it does draw and it draws. I mean, we booked 50 acts and so we're, we're, we're good for at least 25 people each day because all those 50 acts are going to show up. Sure. And, <laughs> and uh, built in and so audience. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we have a built in audience, but having a built in audience and people walking by seeing an audience and then people hearing about it, I mean, we do a lot to promote it. Yeah. And so, you know, we promote it really well and it has a great crowd and it has a great reputation. And uh, I mean, we, we've been doing it here for a long time and it, it's just amazing when it turns out, I mean, we had an amazing cast this year. Yeah. Well, and I was impressed where, you know, a lot of these kinds of things that I've been to, you meet uh, only other artists, but mostly, you know, like you'll, you know, almost everybody there is all either performing or is a performer of that kind of music. And at NorCal, I was like meeting people who just popped in to see someone play. Like they yeah. were just like, Hey, I'm just here to see the show. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. We came to see somebody play it and be supportive and be part of the scene. And it's like, it makes it more like, it makes it more like a fest to full and it, but it's actually more like a convention, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's really cool because you do get to meet lots of artists. Oh yeah. Then, I mean, we had cool people walking around and hanging out and it was just neat, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed the whole weekend this year. It was fun. There were these moments where I would like take a seat because I'm eating a sandwich or having a drink or something like that. And I kind of look around and I just see all these people who are like trading cards and like chatting about like, oh yeah, we, you got to come to this thing over here. They do this thing in this place and it's great. And, you know, it's just like I just watching the actual networks kind of pop up as all this music was happening was just really inspiring. Like, it made me realize that it is still possible to like tour in the U.S. <laughs> uh, sort of, it, it, it is possible. I don't know if it's possible to make any money doing it, but it's possible. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a, 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 a still a, a long ways away. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's it's man, you're what you're saying like really makes me miss that because like I remember mm. when before I before like I mean, when I moved to Sacramento in 2005 is when I became really involved in running and organizing North County West Fest. Mm. And so for the first 10 years before that, I used to just come to North County Fest when I lived in Orange County in Southern California. And so like, I used to be just part of what you're talking about. And I totally like, haven't been part of that in 12, 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> Your perspective is a completely different vision oh, well, of what happens. Oh, well, wow. I really missed that. That was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're like nostalgic for when it was just totally. you. Totally. Uh, like, it used to be my best it used to, because I used to just come and set up like a ton of Instagram merch. I came with more merch than probably like way more than Adrian from Pulse City Sistas. And I was like, <laughs> I would come with so much merch and just have tons of things and different stuff and would take up a table and then would sit there all weekend and like yell at people as they walked by come look at this you know (laughs) (laughs) you become like the uh the barker you know it was really fun like i made that whole i made that whole experience a really different experience because i sat there through it unless i was on the stage playing right 
which was my one spot during the whole weekend. So the rest of the weekend, I sat at a merch table in front of everybody going, Yo! (laughs) It's time for Dial a Song. Hey, what the hi? It's John F. of They Might Be Giants, and you're listening to Austin Rich on WTBC Radio and Beautiful Anywhere, Anywhere. It's a podcast with Austin, and this is They Might Be Giants Song of the Week. This is the latest from us. It's our Dial a Song. For this tick, 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 tick Legs have fallen asleep Tick, 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 tick Persevering undercover of permafrost Nervous and bashful and sick, sick, sick what uh, those kinds of things need because uh i mean honestly when i go to shows now i realize that like the enthusiasm of somebody outside saying like have you seen what's in here you know like is enough yeah, have to you got in there yet whoa yeah that's enough to draw me in now <laughs> yeah and like i do a lot of that when i'm walking around at north town noise because like i see people who are in they get wrapped up in a conversation with somebody that they haven't seen in a long time and they're standing around outside and I'll be all, dude, you got to go inside and see what's happening. Yeah. And I know this sounds like it was a really important conversation, but like you're missing out. <laughs> missing it. It's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about how. So you, you haven't been involved the entire time, but um, do you remember. I've played all of them, but I've been to all of them. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, do you remember those early days? Like, the, I mean, 20 years ago, the noise scene in like the late 90s. I mean, like, I remember there being one, but, like, I'm just trying to imagine what these fests well, must have been different. like. It was different because, like, well, I mean, I'm talking about, like, when we started it in 95, so, like, the scene, it was, like, the mid-90s, and mm. the noise scene, I mean, there was a scene because, I mean, the noise, the tape community and the noise, the noise community trading tapes really started in the 80s, and oh, yeah. for those of and for those of us that were in the into the tape community, we realized we like you know we would we would run across these weird tapes and we'd be like, oh, what's this, you know? And like and and and, and you would write somebody, you would, they would have an address in them, you would write to them, and you'd start trading tapes with people. And it was like the tape trading network that expanded in in the 1980s when cassette culture really just 
exploded. And through zines too, where you know, you'd find and, in Oh yeah, and zines too, yeah. You could like find ads and zines to meet other cassette people. Yeah, on the and back pages like, there'd be like, write to this address and you will send you our band's tape. <laughs> yeah, you could get all kinds of things. And tapes I mean tapes were easy to do and, and, and still are. And so like mm-hmm. uh it was a really fun time and uh, you, the networking that happened from that uh, really laid the foundation for what the the American noise scene became. Because all those people that were just in weird bands really got even bored of being in weird bands. Right. Yeah. And, and 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 started just doing their own weird things, and and stopped being bands. Just started being. And then and then the things that started happening in Japan that were like you know like. Masana and Mersbau. Oh yeah, and 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 you know uh, that type of that type of level of sound excursion that started to come out as something powerful and new out of Japan, and uh, uh, which was really cool, and it just opened up a lot of people's uh, perspectives and horizons for what they could do here, and and. And it really just exploded at that point. I mean, there was really, I remember just, I mean, I worked in record stores through that whole time. And so I remember, mm. I remember having the, the, my first experience of people asking for things like Nurse Val and like, What's that? <laughs> okay, let me order it. But it is, you know? Right. And, oh, what is this? You know? And like, you know, my first experience with thing, I mean, uh, bands that really, there are things that that are out there that are so mind opening that you can't even pers- you know start to talk about them you know it's like I mean I can't even begin to say how wondrous Nurse with Wound is. Oh my gosh, we we could do a whole show just talking about. That. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Like uh, Stapleton and his Mad Merry Men are insanely wonderful and. Uh, Oh my gosh, but you know, like that's like a whole nother level into itself. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you right now that I've asked Matt Waldron uh, from Earaps X, you know, who plays with Smokers Room. I've asked him to play the last three Noise Fests, and he still says no so far. But yeah. he hasn't, he hasn't said no for any reason other than he's been busy. But it, it's, I'm still trying to get him to play, and I would love to have. That would be a pretty cool get, actually. It would. It would it, it would be really slow. Um, we're trying, but you know, you're, we're kind of circling something that I've been thinking about a lot too, which is like that period where punk rock went from being this amazing like ethic and idea of how to approach art to being a very strict set of rules for how your oh, band. Yeah, well, that's you know, like there were there 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 the school of punk rock that was. The original, the original old school mindset where it was be original and be different and be different than everybody else and be yourself and be different than everybody else, you know, like, and that was really what it was all about. And then there was the, the wave that happened after Black Flag, which it was be fast, be hard, be fast and hard, be hard and fast and fast and hard. Right. And then, and then there was the wave that happened in the 90s, which, which is really like, I guess the Green Day wave. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, but it's really more the post stiff little fingers wave. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, which is what it really is. Yeah. Um, you just add that, that filter to the way you write songs and you get kind of like a, a no effects ish kind of band. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, like, yeah, I mean, how much, I mean, the whole the whole epitaph sound that was passed down from Bad Religion to Pennywise to No Effects, you know, and to all of those bands. That right. Like, the whole epitaph sound that created the California punk rock sound that we're just so buried in, you know? It's like uh, the... Well, and the, no wonder you want to do noise when, like, everyone sounds like less than Jake, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, personally, I think, I think noise is the last breath of the original punk rock it's like you know like currently right now or like if you told your mom you were into punk rock 
if you're a kid, they, your mom would be all right, cool, I'll take you to the mall and buy you a new stitch shirt. Well, and she probably has some CDs she could let you borrow. Right, exactly. And then, like, but if you, like, tell your mom you're into Masana, she's going to be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> That's not music. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and yeah. it's so funny, yeah, like, too, because you go to this, like, uh, you know, um, essentially convention, uh, festival, call it, call it either one. Um, and when it, it, we it say it's noise, but like the the spectrum of the kinds of music you hear over that three days. Yeah, it, well, I mean, we 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 use the term noise fest because when we started, there was only there, that's what it was, you know. And then, but obviously, the genre has expanded and embraced a lot of different other styles. Mm-hmm. And it's very much. I mean, we really, you know, we look for the most outsider sound art that we can, and that's probably the better. I mean, if we called it the outsider sound art fest, I don't think it would have such a betching ring to it. Yeah, I mean, you'd still get a few people like yeah, me would be, who would show it would up, but become, it would become much more academic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we called it the outsider sound art fest. Yeah. Well, and then someone would have to give a lecture about Daniel Johnston versus yeah, Wesley Willis, and it, yeah, it would be that kind of thing. That would be yeah. like a lot, much more, much more. I mean, we've had those things happen, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> in over twenty-one years, don't we've explored every aspect of it? I mean, we performed. If there was a noise fest year at, at Sac State. There was, you know, we've done, you know, we've done all kinds of places all over the city and done all kinds of weird things. Sure. Uh, we did a we did a year our fifteenth year we did like six nights in a row. Oh whoa! <laughs> like it was, uh, it's it's pretty crazy and fun. Yeah, that, that's a good thing too. Is that like with that kind of variety in the acts that you can get and that long of a uh, um, lifespan, you really do start to explore almost every nook and cranny and then invent a few of them along the way. Oh, totally. It's totally, uh, you know, like there, there are things that, yeah, that are, that have just, you know, things that are, that are grown at noise fest. There were, there were, there were numerous things this weekend that were grown at noise or not, you know, during the noise fest this year that happened, uh, that were, that were grown. And there were a couple of very unique special performances that were exclusive to this year's happening and. You know, all of that stuff is very true. There's a little bit of like a almost kind of a situationist or Dada um, angle to it as well, because there, there are these moments where I was watching people walk past Luna's cafe through the window. Okay. And like, that's a great, that's a great view. And you get almost every flavor of reaction. To, yeah, it depends on what's happening on stage too. Yeah, and and it, and it oh, was okay. like people ran in and was like they couldn't get in fast enough to like puzzled, confused. You know, it was a it was a really wonderful spectrum. So yeah, the whole uh, that 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 that's such a wonderful experience watching people try to figure it out. <laughs> I'm sure that you've uh, you've probably had every ridiculous question asked to you uh, by passerbys. We've been in we've been in really crazy situations because of it. Mm. People know, who are like, getting angry, or oh yeah, people can't handle it. There was a year we were we 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 were at a hotel. We we stayed. We had noise fest happen at a hotel, and we used one of their like lecture halls to where. Uh, which was actually a converted garage mm. uh, that this this hotel had, and so it had really shitty uh, soundproofing or, or any any acoustics to it. But it was a cool space for us to do noise fest in, and and we did it to where we we had a deal where if you came to noise fest, you could get a deal with the hotel, and so a lot of us stayed there. And oh. just party. It was a really fun. It was a pretty fun weekend. Nice. But, during during the first during the first night uh, that we were there, a guy that lived next door became very upset. Oh no! <laughs> and really angry because it just kept going on and on all day, and started in the afternoon, and it was just forever and ever and ever. And he was became really drunk and angry, and came at us, came at us angry, and then went home and came at us again with a samurai sword oh my gosh 
<laughs> and, like, and like like drew a sword on us, and we had to like call the police to have them come to Noise Fest. <laughs> Whoa, that's <laughs> it was. See, that that's kind of one of those stories though, where like there is something else going on in that gentleman's life, you know, like yeah, obviously, but it was really like an amazing, you know, we actually didn't press charges and let him go home. But sure, <laughs> sure, sure, try to be the, the better people. The hotel was pretty mad at us for drawing the attention and all and pissing off the neighbor, mm-hmm. and so they didn't let us have the second day there, and so we had to move it uh, with. With no space and nowhere to go, and it ended up we ended up moving it to the EMRL, and we had the second day of the EMRL, and it was really really fun. Hmm. Cool. Well, which, you, at least you're which, able to salvage. Which, which is where we had the the party at the after party, you know. Mm, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. that space is a really interesting location. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's where we had that's where we ended up having the the secret move. We moved the show and it, it was raining and we had to like park in the street, double park to load up those stairs. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> I was just thinking that like, Oh wait, loading gear. <laughs> yeah. It was really like, uh, <laughs> mm. well, but I have rubber, to but rubber O cement played there and it was amazing. Oh, nice. Yeah. I have to, oh, I have to compliment you guys on the uh, organization. Like I've been to some of these things where like you get there and you think like, okay, well there's a, a, a quick and efficient way we could do this or the way they are doing it here. Um, yeah. And uh, going to NorCal, I was like impressed. It was like, there was really like a ticking clock and everyone was like, okay, you're on, get up there. You know, like that's, you know, that's, you know, the, the, the angle from that. Okay. Like this is from my point as a guy that like, I mean, I book and organize all of this stuff and put it together. And I, I also book bands on a regular consistent level weekly here in Sacramento. And I used to book a bar in Orange County for a few years and I booked, you know, numerous bands a night. This is not your first rodeo. And so like, yeah, I understand how bands need to be told how long, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you want to tell them where to put their stuff. You want to tell them. You'll come tell them when it's time to get their stuff. And 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 having someone manage a stage space is really what it takes. Yes. And so like, and that's what I do. I make sure that you know. I make sure that everyone knows when and where and how and you know have to have it has to happen. This is when your set is. This is when you need to be there for your set. I'm going to give you ample time to set up your gear, and I'll come find you and tell you when it's that. And as long as everybody's prepared and knows what the game is, it moves like clockwork. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very my fun to be a, a part of that where, like, I, I got swept up in the whirlwind of, like, oh, hey, and now I'm, I'm setting up. Oh, hey, and now we're on stage. And, oh, hey, now we're breaking down. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was really, it was kind of great. Like, I mean, and you need that. Uh, and I, and yeah. I mean, maybe that's a lesson to venues who are hoping to replicate what you guys have is that, you know, if you, if you want to focus on any one thing first, get that. Hire s- me. No. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Hire Lob. He'll figure it out for you. <laughs> uh, but like the stage management aspect, like it cannot be undersold. No, I agree totally. Yeah, it's totally like I think it's the problem with a lot of venues is that they don't have they don't have anyone that manages what happens. They just tell bands, "All right, over there, go ahead." Right, right. If you want it, you can have it, but you gotta learn to reach out there and grab it. If you are looking for professional photography and contemporary style and glamour, then J. Jean Portraits is your destination. Based right here in Salem, Oregon. Just like this podcast, J. Jean Portraits can offer the right kind of photos for the project that you have in mind. To help wet the whistle of people interested in J. Jean Portraits, we are holding a contest for the person or artist who would like to do a little photo shoot on us. Please send an email to austinrich at gmail.com and explain why you should have your band, art project, or whatever photographed in a short paragraph. And the most interesting entry will receive a full photo shoot package courtesy of J. Jean Portraits. You do not want to miss out on this opportunity to get professional quality photography for free. So please enter to win a free photography package with J. Jean Portraits. 
That's jgeneportraits.com. A professional look tailored specifically for you. WTBC Radio is also sponsored by Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce. Locally made in Portland, Oregon, Peggy's Sauce is 100% vegan and 100% ready for you to experience a taste explosion you'll want again and again. Available in three flavors, Hotter Melon, Ghostberry, Five Star Gary, Carolina Reaper. That's with avocados. For more information about Peggy's Sauce, including ordering inquiries, please visit Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce, all one word, on either Facebook or Instagram. Let me say it one more time, Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce. When you need a little something with an extra kick. Well, yeah, I want to get back to Instagon, but I had a couple more questions about uh, the Noise Fest because I imagine in 21 years, uh, you've probably had a few like exceptional uh, performances that kind of stick out in your head. Um, are there any that you want to mention or give a little well, like outline for? One that, the one that I just mentioned, seriously, uh, Rubber O Cement at the MRL was pretty amazing. Sure. Because uh, it's such a big, giant, open space and Watching him freak out in there has been really awesome. But we've had some really great noise fests. Uh, this year, I was—I mean, it was really amazing that Monty Pizzazza came and hung out with us again for two days mm-hmm. and did a performance with Bertonin, and it was really just awesome to see him there. Uh, I mean, the performance he did two years ago, uh, him and Mary St. Mary did a performance with Theremin two years ago, and it was seriously the the first performance he's done anywhere since like the 80s whoa like it was really amazing just to see him hanging out with us this this year yeah Uh, it felt like there were luminaries around every corner this year (laughs) yeah it was really really fun um there was neat people everywhere uh but there's like it's really hard for me especially to just think about i mean i've had some really great instagram performances uh, mm-hmm. one, of, one of my favorite, you know, probably some of my favorite noise fest performances are really from the early days. Uh, I really like some stuff that, like, Floyd from the guy that runs that space, the EMRL, like, he's like the guy that created noise fest. Mm. And, like, him and a couple other guys, they're like one of the, the and they he used to have a project called the, the Conceptual Music Union. Mm. And he did a performance once where, uh, it was a, a jazz ensemble with a drummer and a bass player, and then he played. Uh, he had a, a a pane of glass and like a small like a, a model car motor, hmm. and and the glass had a piece, had a contact mic on it, and so he had a jazz band playing behind him, just being like. Okay. And then he'd like take this motor and hit this pane of glass, and it would just be like. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the greatest things I ever saw. Wow, I'm jealous yeah. now. I want to see that. <laughs> it was so smooth and so cool. Just and they were all dressed in in white shirts with black ties. Very cool. Very nice. Very smooth and rad. Um. Uh, I don't know. There's, jeez, uh, that's something old that was really fun. Um, I really this year I was really blown away with uh, Sidewalk Brujeria did a set with a Moog that was just so vibrating and sonic and rad. Yeah. I really dug that set a lot. Yeah, that was that was impressive. Um, uh, I don't know. My set was fun. <laughs> yeah. No, it, well, and, and like, just in general, like, I feel like when you look at who has, pl- like, a list of who has played NorCal over the years, it's... I can't wait. I gotta add, I gotta, I'm gonna update that list, I think, tonight to everybody from this year. No, yeah, because, I mean, it, it is a, it is a pleasure to be among those artists there. And well, and, and then closing with uh, Big City Orchestra is always, it's always fun uh, to see yeah. that. They're so much fun, and you never know what kind of weirdness they're going to do. It, they're, 
it used to be really sonic, and then like in the last few years, it's become much more of a performance art piece. And you know, it's like, let's see what happens. Yeah, I kind of like that about them, where they're always little pushing a little bit further into like, yeah. what what does what does it mean to be a part of this band? You know, I've I've been I've been part of their band. I've done some recordings with them and like sang vocals on some stuff. Like I was part of their pirate shanty release. Hmm. Okay. That was really fun. Yeah. yeah. And then they do a, you know, they do a regular, they do a regular week, lots of radio. Familiar with their radio? You know, oh yeah, they? yeah. I follow them uh, on the uh, on the social medias, uh, and cool. uh, yeah, they're, they, they, their their radio show, the radio show that happens out of their um, their basement studio is so much fun to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm I was supposed to do it recently, just before Noise Fest, but my unfortunate vehicle situation has made it made it where i couldn't get out there oh the saga of the truck yeah saga of the truck and so i'm hoping that i'm gonna get to go see them again sometime soon and go out there and play because i really like playing at their place yeah they they like they they really want every time i come out there all they want me to do is read poetry (laughs) well they they know what they like (laughs) i have so much poetry and they love my poetry and they're like we'll give you a mic for two hours read poetry (laughs) Was that the first art that you started doing, or did you? What, what? Yeah, my first my first stuff that I was doing was poetry. Interesting. And and did yeah. you start that when you were a teenager, or? No, well, I started it uh, in it actually pretty much around this like in the in the early nineties. I really got involved. I was writing it when I was a teen. I just didn't really do anything with it. I didn't write it. Mm, yeah. So like, I wrote it for ten years, and then I. Uh, miraculously got turned on to a poetry reading somehow when I was uh, in my mid-twenties and got to go experience a poetry reading. I was like, holy crap, what's this? And uh, uh, got involved and became a real natural at it and then got to be a host somehow. <laughs> much more of a natural at that. And so I became way more of a hosting personality in poetry scene. Which kind of was a cool thing because I was I had a lot of stuff going on and people would come to my readings because I was a really good host. But because you're a host, you end up getting uh, sometimes not recognized for being the, one of the actual artists. Right. So, so I would get really I would not get offered readings any longer. It'd be really hard for me to like like I would want to go out and read somewhere. And people, it would be hard to read. I, I would have to like go, dude. You know, I I read. Put me as a feature. You know, I want to come out. <laughs> right. You're trying to convince people. You know that thing that I I host. You know I also thing? do it. <laughs> you know, like I actually do that stuff too. So like that. So I ended up getting. I ended up getting out of it and uh, just getting because because Instagram got became much more of a conduit for my energy. Got it much more involved in what it was doing and it was becoming much more consuming mm-hmm. now was instagon <clears throat> like the idea for it was that more kind of uh um were you looking t- at other things going like oh i'd like to do like an audio version of this or do you remember oh not at all instagon happened in the purest form of chaos and how it should happen mm. uh it um, was a word that I already had. A word I actually it was actually made up when I was in, like, just out of high school from some guys. Uh, we made this word up, and uh, uh, there was almost a metal band that happened in the '80s that was going to be called that. That I wrote, <laughs> that I wrote some lyrics for, and uh, but it never played a live show. It only like maybe rehearsed twice. Wow. Is, is that uh, tape lurking around in your basement somewhere? I, I have a tape that I have. I don't think I have it anymore. I used to have a tape. I, I've, I've looked for it a couple of times, but I hmm. haven't found it. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, that would be really fun to find. Yeah, uh, but it's Instagon, so. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the concept of how Instagon actually happened um, was that initially it was going to be, an, it, was a, it was a conceptual idea from the get. Mm. It was ideally planned, uh, it was being planned by members of a esoteric organization that I was part of called the Temple of Psychic Youth. Okay. 
So uh, it was a the idea which the Temple of Psychic Youth is a a, a magical organization that was loosely based around um, some writings that were generated from the fan base of Psychic TV. Mm, okay. Oh, okay. I'm okay. surprised and I didn't so, put that together quicker. <laughs> and so the uh, the Instagram was initially created by a small group of us who were involved in the Temple of Psychic Youth, and it was being it was it was ideally going to be the U.S version of Psychic TV. Mm, okay. Something to happen out of the United States rather than coming out of England and it was going to be something fresh and different that wasn't Psychic TV, but it was going to still be a propaganda arm for the Temple of Psychic Youth, which is what Psychic TV was at that time. A mm. propaganda arm for a magical organization. Right. Um, at least that's what it portrayed itself as. Um, and it it uh, Instagram was initially the idea behind what we were going to do with Instagram. There were four of us that were part of this this collaboration, and we had a we had a a, a ritual that we did for a, a, an event in in 1993. And after the ritual, we did some some percussion type jamming at my friend's apartment house and then after that happened we discussed the concept of Instagram and that it was going to be a that all four of us were going to create four separate bands and all of of those bands would be completely different ideas but they would all be called Instagram Uh and that we would all all work these bands in, uh, in a way to where we would book shows, we would get, we would find an agent and get an agent to start booking their shows, and we would, you would never know which band was going to appear. <laughs> I love but it. There would be four separate bands called Instagram. You would never know which one was going to Wow. Um, and so as it progressed, the other three guys, uh, they're, one of them did a solo noise project. One of them was not able to do a, a sound project. This didn't make it. And he was very much into the Ramones, but he wanted to get a band and couldn't make it happen. Got it. And uh, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, he just didn't make it happen. And then uh, um, another one joined this this uh, band called Takachi that was a, 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 a Orange County-based um, percussive thing, very, very tribal percussive-based thing. Mm-hmm. But Instagram evolved in a way that took on its own way to where it's like I started doing performances and I would invite everybody that I knew that had sound equipment, no matter what it was. And I would just find everybody. Just bring it. And we would, and whoever showed up with gear got to be an Instagram. And we would play venues and, you know, it would be 15 to 20 people and it would just be like a wall of noise. <laughs> plug in. All right, everybody's in. Go. <laughs> uh, and that must have been pretty magical too to like you know like you know, the band's coming in and it's like one after another another person comes in really, and so eventually we ran out of places to play because no one the word got around what we did and and so I would so I started to change the idea of what it was you know so that we so I could get gigs again right so it went through this this ambient phase where it was really quiet and I could like get quiet gigs and it was really fun hmm. and then it went through this you know it went through all these phases and then uh, around 19, late 1997 1998 it, uh, after you know five six years of being weird uh, it, I had this happening where I ended up playing bass with a live band and it was like the first time that I actually played bass with a live band on stage with people and it really wasn't just like jamming with some friends and and it kind of took this different turn at that point mm. and and Instagram became this like oh wow I can do something very musical with this and I have you know and, and I kind of started really approaching it and I spent some time checking out Band leaders and how they led bands. Read mm. some articles about Frank Zappa and James Brown, and things like that. You know, and tried to make it like like find out how they t- 
talked to bands and interacted with them in a way to where uh, you give cues and how do those cues are perceived and where they are and what they mean. And um, I have a very few simple cues when you play with Instagon and it's pretty easy to get a band into it pretty fast because I've worked it for 25 years now. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so there was not a group before Instagon that you... There, were... there was a group before Instagon. I didn't play bass with it. I played harmonica and sang with a blues band. Oh, okay. Interesting. And, uh, and uh, it was really fun. There's a there's a, a, a release of some recordings from that that are available on the Instagram Foundation Bandcamp page. Oh, funny. And uh, uh, there was this band that was called the Lost High Desert Tortoise. Hmm. It was a, a, a jammy blues band that happened out of Orange County in the early 90s. Got it. Uh, I was friends, me and some of my deadhead friends, and uh, I played harmonica and sang. But I, being my personality and who I am, I was also the booking agent and managerial person that got us gigs and made sure everybody was there on time. Mm, yes, that but is a very important role. <laughs> all of that stuff. And so it was very cool up until the point where it became so tedious to... Make sure that five guys were there <laughs> and with their gear and that I had enough time to maybe drink a, a good half a pint of whiskey at least <laughs> loose enough to sing the blues. Right. Oh, my gosh. If I wasn't loose enough to sing the blues, then I was going to be a mouthy punk rock asshole. With a microphone. <laughs> Which can also be fun. <laughs> And so um, I would go on to the mic really angry at them a lot of the times, and we were doing a lot of improvisational type things where I could just make words up, and I would. Nice. And I talked a lot of smack to people. And <laughs> it was really, really fun, but after it was all said and done, it was very frustrating. And so part of the concept of that was how that was another point of why how Instagram became what it what it is now is that I, I don't like band drama. Mm. And, and so like being with with what happened with Instagram, now if you give me band drama and you give me drama of any kind, I just don't ever ask you back. <laughs> yep, you've just lost a band to play with. <laughs> See you later. You yeah. know? Have fun with yourself. Yeah. It's um, it's funny when you uh, put it that way, too, where you're kind of like, you know, actually, this is for me to enjoy making music, and uh, I get to make the rules. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. It's like, this is my project, and you, you're you here because I asked you to be here, and if you don't like it, then go. I don't, you know. Yeah. I can, I can easily replace you. My Rolodex is large. <laughs> right. After this many years, I'm sure I no mean, shortage I of people who want to play. <laughs> There, sometimes there's a short of people who want to play because they're doing other things, and they, you know. But but some, sometimes it's like it's pretty it's, it's pretty it's never really that hard to find somebody. Cool. It's pretty easy to find somebody to play. Nice. Well, you know, I don't want to keep you for too long, but I did have a couple more questions here for you, and I one of them is the and and we've hinted at this a bit. And you you have a very wide, diverse range of musical interests, and. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it's it's funny. I was following you in October when you were doing your Rocktober uh, posts, sure, uh, sure. and it was just like it was fantastic to see somebody who can do an incredibly interesting noise set, can play like fascinating improv jazz, and then also loves Motorhead just as much as the next guy. <laughs> and, Motorhead is that's, that's, well. I mean, it it really like I mean I I managed. Uh, probably the most popular punk rock record store in Orange County for the whole 90s. Mm. I, I was there from, I, I worked in a record store there from 89 to 2002. And prior to that, the guy that owned that record store, uh, I, him and I worked at another record store in Glendale, California from probably for like three or four years prior before that. And so like I worked in record stores from 85, 86 until 2002. Dang! <laughs> so I I lived I lived the entire span of the fall of the industry mm. and the coming of the digital age, and watched the whole thing just come and collapse in on itself. 
and sold records. And I mean, I have a big ear because I spent lots of time in a record store. Sure. Uh, uh, and it, it wasn't a corporate store. We did lots. I mean, when we opened in the early nineties, you know, we would like get cranked out and be there for three days. <laughs> uh, You're just like be, going through boxes. We would, just, we would just be open, you know, people mm-hmm. would come in and hang out with us in the middle of the night. Just, you know, just that's fantastic well, it, a, what a great way to like get immersed in like so much music too yeah and like yeah i mean you're just you could listen to whatever you wanted and uh i got turned on to a lot of cool things I, mean, I always like to tell people i was blessed to have been 15 in 1980 in los angeles Ooh. Yeah, I you, we could probably do a whole show of just the shows that you saw in those days. Yeah. So my 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 expansion in music happened right around that time, you know, like at at, at that time, like right as the as 1980 1981 happened, I my opening my eyes opened to music and it was a really different time to yeah. find out about stuff. How perfect. You know, like, zine culture is going well. I mean, it's it's already so, L.A., you know, so... Zine culture was awesome. You could find zines everywhere. Uh, you know, it was way... You know, it's amazing the things that we take for granted now, but, you know, mm. because of the Internet, the things that didn't that just don't exist anymore. Right, yeah. As these boxes of tapes are rotting next to my desk. <laughs> that culture was really amazing. And, and it still is, but it's really harder to find. And it's harder to find people that are very um, adamant about it. You find people that are like novice about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That are like, oh yeah, I want, I like your sets because sets are cool. But, <laughs> but, like, but they don't like, like I mean, I, and I'm kind of that way. Like I used to be adamant and I had thousands of cassettes. Oh yeah. And, and and I used to be very uh, a cassette warrior. I would mail packages almost every other day. You know? It's like, but then I mean, postal rates became unpleasant. And yes, it's, it's like there's a lot of factors that killed cassette culture. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 then the rise of the digital age. You know, the, the day that now you could just share files, and why would you waste time dubbing cassettes? It seems like, uh, I mean, you know, on one hand, I'm sure everybody like was moving forward, going like, "Oh yeah, this is progress," and like, I'm sure that's the same thing that everybody says when they start like recycling their books because it's all online. Here, and... I'll tell you what it is. I tell you, you know, and we'll take you back to a place where where people people believe in progress, and people believe in the concept of progress, but what they don't and believe, what they don't really understand, is what they're killing is their actual belief structures mm. because because what makes what makes interaction through the mail with tangible physical things, even it be a piece of paper, is that those are actual talismans between people. Right. And those and those people, it's like like people be, are more in tuned and in touch with people that they actually correspond with. Because they're, it's like, you touched this paper, I touched this paper, it's been to both of us, and it holds magical elements that transfers energy between us. And those type of powers are what are dwindling on the planet because of the digital age. Yeah, we don't send those with MP3s. The energies, the energy of connection is being lost. Well, and that was what was so great about this that weekend that we had yeah. in October. Noise is Fist, it? Noise Fist weekend is all about connection. It's yeah, really much weekend. and like and you know going to shows and seeing bands and, live. And I mean, Instagram's all about connecting. It's very much about connecting people. And then there have been bands that have happened and grown out of Instagram and have yeah. played and played for a few years and then disappeared. And you know, like it's it's about it's definitely about connecting and those connections and expanding upon them.
do it for us this week. My conversation with Lob Instagon, a show that I can play while I'm not feeling very well. I've actually been to a NorCal Noise Fest since the conversation that we had, and uh, wow, that was also an amazing, amazing show. I recommend that you guys check that out, and uh, you can hear it online. And uh, there's all sorts of cool things happening in uh, Sacramento, where uh, Lob is. Uh, they do the uh, audio waffle uh, on a regular basis, where uh, there's uh, music, waffles. It's great. It's a combination I think you would enjoy. And uh, yeah, uh, he holds it down pretty well down there. And uh, he, keeps, uh, he keeps the scene alive, which is a cool, cool thing to do. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no program. Peace and you. Your